0: This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Your Radio Doctor does not recommend or endorse any specific tests, physicians, products, procedures, opinions, or other information that may be mentioned on Your Radio Doctor. Always consult your own physician. Today's program has been pre-recorded.
1: When Recovery Centers of America at Devon opened its campuses on the main line and in South Jersey, they offered a new approach: local addiction treatment led by an expert, caring team of professionals. RCA has since helped thousands and leads the way in innovative programs and. And exceptional inpatient and outpatient care, all in a beautiful setting that allows for healing and recovery. RCA answers the phone and admits patients 24 7, 365, including the holidays. All admitted patients and staff are routinely tested for COVID 19. Call now at 1 888 Recovery. That's 1 888 Recovery. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter Your health determines your life, your longevity, and your happiness. Let your radio doctor lead the way with your medical education. Your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Good morning, and welcome to Your Radio Doctor. I'm Dr. Marianne Ritchie, wishing you a very happy Father's Day. Well, my friends, we like to say, in with the good air and out with the bad air. Today, we welcome a very special guest who brings a whole new meaning to that expression. Dr. Tyra Bryan-Stevens is the director and founder of the Community Asthma Prevention Program, the Senior Director of the Center for Health Equity, and an Associate Professor of Pediatrics at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. And when I tell you that Children's Hospital is a place where miracles happen. I really believe that Dr. Tyra Bryant-Stevens is the angel that makes these miracles happen. She is saving all of Philadelphia from asthma, one child at a time, with her incredible program at CHOP. Welcome Tyra.
0: Thanks so much, Dr. Richie. Um, that's a very kind introduction and definitely can't take credit for all of this. I have a, an amazing team that, that works uh, with uh, me to, to help uh, children with asthma.
1: Well, you're, you're too humble, but that's part of the beauty of you. We're here to talk about asthma and what you've done in, tell me if I have the years right, is it 27 years? That you've put together a community program that we're gonna go into detail with later, but um, community education, taking late teachers into families' homes and teaching them how to use medications, what signs to look for, all this wonderful work that has really um, skyrocketed. And it's all through Philadelphia and the suburbs. And uh, why don't we start by talking about asthma in general and how you define asthma?
0: Sure. Um, Asthma is a chronic condition, much like um, um, hypertension, diabetes in adults. Um, but it's the symptoms wax and wane, so they're not always there. However, the inflammation is always there, um, and the inflammation causes um, the airways to be smaller. It makes it more difficult for children to breathe in and out um, and causes chest tightness, wheezing, wheezing um, difficulty breathing. And it can compromise their ability to exercise.
1: And I would think that... Um when you say wheezing, that's that whistle sound that we hear sometimes when people are trying to get the air in and out. And I guess the sound of the whistle is a little different depending on which airways are blocked, yes?
0: Yes. Um, with children, often you just hear coughing um, because what they're trying to do is open their airways at, by coughing at the end of their breath. Um, and the wheezing comes on much later Um, and their symptom kind of, um, as their symptoms get escalate. Um, And so I often tell parents um, that you really want to look at how they breathe. And when they're using their extra muscles to breathe, they usually starts with the belly muscles, then the rib muscles, and then the neck muscles, that shows you the progression of the severity of the symptoms and not really wait, not to really wait for the wheeze, but really look at how they're doing, how they're able to eat and sleep and rest and um, move about.
1: That's a really important message because you're right. You know, we, we think of the classic sign, uh, wheezing, but if a child's using all that energy just to breathe, that can't be a good sign. So I guess if the cough is the major sign, it might all, not always be recognized as asthma, am I right? Does that make it a little hard to diagnose, especially in little children?
0: Yes. Early on, it is harder for us to diagnose. We know that um, children with asthma, often uh, parents will say that their cough always goes to the chest or they will say that their cough lasts longer than a normal cold um, because viruses are the biggest trigger of, of asthma symptoms. So they get a cold, they start coughing. And when they're younger and they have not been diagnosed with asthma, many times it's not until They get much worse if parents realize that this is not the typical cold. So, a lot of
1: little children under the age of three might have frequent colds, but most of them do not go on to asthma. Am I right about that?
0: Sure. Yeah, we know that um, children who wheeze less than three years of age only about a third go on to wheeze persistently. Um, And so, um, there's some clues to that. If you have a family history of uh, children, uh, of uh, mom or dad who wheezes, You're more likely to wheeze if you tend to be allergic, meaning you have eczema or hay fever or allergic rhinitis. uh, You're more susceptible. We have something that's called the uh, asthma predictive index, and we look at one major or two more minor um, 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 symptoms. Um, prior signs uh, before age three gives us uh, helps us to predict who would go on to be persistent wheezers.
1: Mm-hmm. So you mentioned that uh, viruses or the common cold is probably the most common trigger for infants and young children. I remember seeing my daughter struggling. She was about five weeks with RSV, mm-hmm. respiratory syncytial virus. So under age three, are the viruses that cause it different than those in older children?
0: Um, the respiratory virus are the same. It's just really the, the the fact is that children's airways are smaller when they're younger, and as they get older, they get larger. Um, so as the airways grow, they're less susceptible to um, having um, lower respiratory symptoms because they're able to clear it. They're able to move, keep the mucus moving. Um, we know that with an asthma, what happens uh, because of the inflammation, the chronic inflammation, when they get a cold, they tend to produce more mucus, and they tend to have more trouble move, moving that mucus uh, through their airways, so and that leads to symptoms.
1: I remember one time when my older son was about ten; he had a popsicle or two, and then went to play baseball and started wheezing. And it was the first time I ever heard the expression "exercise cold-induced exercise-induced urticaria and wheezing." Tell us about that a little bit.
0: Sure. So um, you can, you can. It's not that common, but. Certainly children can have uh, cold-induced wheezing. We often talk about um, in the winter, if they're going to be outside exercising to cover their nose so they're breathing in warm air and not cool air, which may trigger their airways. Um, it does sound like your your son could have had a reaction to the popsicle or to the coldness of the popsicle, it's hard to say, um, but certainly that can happen one time doesn't mean that they're going to have asthma
1: no luckily well i know i guess exercise sometimes can bring on asthma and you think of swimming might be a little less um, of a uh, provocative because it doesn't lead to as much cooling and drying of the airway Mm -hmm. but then you have to think i know some studies suggest that um, exposure to chlorine byproducts can stir up asthma is that much of a factor for children
0: well, it can be. Um, chlorine can be an uh, irritant. For, so certainly if it's, um, you know, every child is different when it comes to irritants. Um, most of us who ha- don't have asthma and don't tend to have inflamed airways will not respond that way to chlorine. But for children who have chronic inflammation, uh, irritants such as, as chlorine can make them wheeze. But we do think of swimming as a safer mm-hmm. a a safer sport for children who have asthma because of the the things you mentioned.
1: Sure, you don't think of them as running out in the air and that sort of thing. But the, the other things people need to really think about are external triggers like tobacco smoke. Gee whiz, the single most common external risk factor has to be smoking. And then we have to remind people vaping too, am I right?
0: Absolutely. I think tobacco smoke is probably the number one trigger outside of viruses. Um, just because it's so prevalent, um, at least in, in, you know, 20 to 40 percent of the children that have been in our, in our program. And it makes you wonder what came first, right? Smoking or the asthma. But um, it's, it really is a, it's a, it's a strong irritant. Um, and not to mention the long-term sequela from tobacco smoke.
1: And and you read about um, asthma in general, and that for many decades, it was more commonly found in westernized countries, I guess, because we had more cars and that sort of thing, and exhaust fumes, and now underdeveloped countries are catching up with us. Um, But in um, children from low-income families, we worry about exposure to cockroaches mm-hmm. and mice droppings sure. and all the things that you we talked about in our conversation the other day. Sure. Tell us about that.
0: Yeah. So in, indoors, um, most of us spend most of our time indoors. So children who tend to be atopic, meaning they tend to develop allergies, can get sensitized to uh, certain triggers. Any warm-blooded um, furry thing or just warm-blooded animal can actually cause Reaction And what we found in, in many studies looking at inner cities that the two biggest uh, triggers besides tobacco smoke are cockroach and mouse allergens. So in our program, that's wow. one area that we really focus on uh, where we teach families how to do uh, cleaning practices and other things to reduce um, uh, mice and, and cockroach. But we also uh, work with the city health department to do integrated pest management so that we can do some exclusionary uh, type maneuvers as well in terms of blocking areas that the mice can actually uh, come through. So we we think about sealing and caulking and yeah.
1: Yeah, the the average person might not even think about. Let's take a little break and we'll be right back with Dr. Tyra Bryan-Stevens.
0: Thanks for listening to Your Radio
1: Doctor with Dr. Mary Ann Ritchie, exclusively presented by Independence Blue Cross. If you have a question for the medical mailbag, just send a note to doctor at yourradiodoctor.net. And we're back at Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Tyra Brian stevens Tyra, you've been a real champion in the community um, in Philadelphia at large, and you're teaching... Uh, Families, how to protect their children by saying, listen, you know, um, dust more, um, try to plug up those holes where little rodents can get in, easier said than done. Uh, Watch with your your pets, little furry creatures in your home, especially you don't want them sleeping too close to your child's bedroom, I would guess might be. But also indoor other odors like um, space heaters and room deodorizers and all those things that I'm sure people learn about but when you point it out it probably makes such a difference in a child's life and their family yes
0: yes Um, you know the common triggers besides the pest or pets and uh, mold and so people are usually sensitive to mold they always point that out they're um, most of the time are not gonna you know they love their pets so that's a little bit harder for them to point out, but there those other things that they might be doing, like using the room, room deodorizers, no one's ever really told them before that this could be uh, a trigger. No one's told them that perhaps the perfume I, you know, we've had the experience where parents were wearing a certain perfume and when they stopped, the, pa- the child stopped having symptoms. Um, also, you know, if the ventilation uh, in your house is not good, um, and you, have, you don't have really good exchange of air, if you're not changing your filters, you know you may be exposed to some mold spores. So there are lots of um, you know possible triggers and every child is not allergic or sensitized to everything. So it's really important to kind of watch your child to see uh, what seems to trigger them. And if you don't know, then you have to dig a little bit deeper and maybe talk to your provider about some um, pos- potential triggers.
1: And that's the beauty of your program, the Community Asthma Prevention Program, where you have people go into the family's home and point things out that you mentioned sources of mold or even, um, well, this year, nobody could help this, but a pollen seemed to be so thick on our cars. But, um, you know, we think about the, the exposure to tobacco or vaping smoke in the car, also, daycare centers. Um, we talked about wood burning stoves. You talked about ventilation, um, leaky plumbing. And I also remember uh, our pediatrician talking about covers, dust covers for pillows and mattresses.
0: Yes, um, so um, dust is everywhere, right? No matter how clean you are, there's going to be dust. So we really take a multi-component uh, approach to the dust triggers. So besides mattress and pillow covers, we talk about carpet, uh, removing that, and any dust catchers that could be in the in the room, such as you know, sleeping with a stuffed animal, um, a lot of bookshelves, mm. and really encourage families at night to to just close everything off. Like even if it's your bookshelf, and you're just at night putting a cover or a sheet over it. Um, and it, again, it depends on the child, right? So. If, Um, The mattress is only the dust only comes out of the mattress when they turn over on it and same with the with the um, floor and the carpet is staring it up is when it causes symptoms. Um, Mm -hmm. But interestingly enough, in the carpet, you can also find evidence of pest as well.
1: Oh, gee whiz. Well, I remember you saying, mm-hmm. too, that, uh, that conditions across the board, even in schools, some of the conditions in some of the Philadelphia schools, uh, there, there are mice droppings on the teacher's desk. And how do we expect our children to do well if they're exposed to these triggers? It's, it's heartbreaking. I guess the other thought that I, I think to ask is, when does a parent ask their pediatrician for a referral to, a, to an asthma specialist? I guess it depends on the doctor, too.
0: Sure. I mean, as a, as a parent, you can always ask. But I would say when you should ask is when you feel that you your child is still not controlled and uh, the, the the doctor or nurse practitioner is giving you kind of all the help they can give. Or if you feel like you need a second opinion, which is always fine. One um, of the things that we do in primary care at CHOP that that's not done everywhere it is something called spirometry where we check lung function. So certainly if you have a child who has a moderate or severe asthma, they should be getting their lung function checked at least annually. Um, and so if your if your office is if your provider's office is not equipped to do that, then that would be another reason to see a specialist. Um mm-hmm. and, and lastly, if if you thought your child was allergic and needed allergy testing, there are blood tests that we can do in the office, which we we typically do in primary care, but the gold standard of skin testing can only be done in the allergist office.
1: That was my next question, how you test to to really confirm or dispel. And um, so spirometry, it's pretty basic, but if not everybody offers it, the child takes a deep breath and then they force out as much air as they can, which might be hard for children under, say, age of six, but it's it's a good metric for you, yes? Mm Mm-hmm.
0: I was going to say it's a a very objective way of measuring. So when you have children who are not very sensitive to their symptoms until they get really sick, it helps us know um, objectively if they have um, airway inflammation.
1: Mm -hmm. And I know sometimes you can do a challenge test with a certain medication and have the child get on a treadmill. but. It's probably easier than than that kind of extreme. Do you you probably don't have to do a chest X ray that often, do you? And that might not tell you so much anyway.
0: Chest X rays are not are not indicated for asthma. If you think there's pneumonia or something else going on, then of course you do a chest X ray maybe, but you would mm-hmm. not do it to confirm asthma.
1: And and how are we treating asthma? What are the basic um, go tos for asthma these days? Sure.
0: Yeah. So the gold standard is inhaled corticosteroids, which are um, you know, uh, anti-inflammation pro- um, medications. So they reduce the inflammation in your airways, so your airways open more. Um, the hard thing sometimes for us to grasp is that um, you have to use it every day whether the child has symptoms or not. Um, the albuterol, which is the rescue medication when they are sick, is something that you really don't want to have to use. You really want to control them so they don't need the albuterol. But of course you should have that on hand for emergencies. Is
1: it because albuterol makes people jumpy or is it just an unpleasant feeling? Is that why you try to avoid it or just?
0: Well, because it doesn't treat the inflammation. The underlying the root cause is inflammation. So we want to reduce the inflammation um, and not need the albuterol. Um, Mm -hmm. And and there are side effects, as you mentioned, the jumpiness Mm -hmm. and the nervousness. um, And it only lasts for four hours. So um, you really want to control them so they don't need medication every four hours.
1: Yeah. Um, We'll spend a little more time in the next segment. But how often does a history of allergies, especially to foods, overlap with asthma? Is that something you commonly see?
0: Um, We do see it. Um, I I always say that we always think about it when we have a child with food allergies and respiratory symptoms. Um, So, certainly associated with uh, asthma, 30 to 40 percent. Children with asthma may also have a a food allergy.
1: That's pretty substantial. Let's take a little break and we'll be right back with Dr. Tyra Bryant Stevens.
0: Today's edition of Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross, can be enjoyed anytime, anywhere, at your convenience. Just download the Odyssey app and search Your Radio Doctor. It's health education on demand.
1: Welcome back on Father's Day here at Your Radio Doctor. We're here with Doctor Tyra Brian Stevens. Tyra, here's a question that I wonder about: Is stress considered a trigger for asthma?
0: Stress can be a trigger for asthma. Um, we, you know, we know that. Um, Sometimes parents think that uh, discount that as a trigger, but it can be. And we really want to take any symptoms um, seriously uh, and any triggers seriously. So, uh, even though um, you know, a child may respond differently than other children do to stress, it's worth working. It's worth. figuring out what's inducing that stress and to really try to take steps to reduce the stress so that the child doesn't have symptoms.
1: And I guess if you do narrow out, narrow it down to the stress itself, you still want the child to be able to handle stress through life because they're not going to be scot-free of it. Exactly. Um, I guess parents often ask you exactly. too, how often do children outgrow their asthma with time?
0: So we know that if they're, if they're still wheezing at six, they're less likely to outgrow it. There are mm-hmm. a lot of children wheeze less than three. About half are still wheezing around six. And usually if they're still wheezing 6 they're less likely to outgrow it. Although you can have um, periods of quiescence. Sometimes we see that uh, later, like in early adulthood where, Uh, It seems to have gone away. And then when they get older, it seems to come back. But when we look at their their airway function, it was never normal, even in that quiescent period.
1: I know, too, that we talked about um, strenuous activity and exercise can uh, trigger uh, episodes. But Mm -hmm. we don't want to limit a child's activity altogether. And I guess if the therapy is appropriate, they can go all the way to the Olympics without uh, restricting them. Am I right about that?
0: Absolutely, we have a lot of elite athletes who have asthma, and you know, I always say we want to—we don't want you to stop exercising. We want to control your some, your asthma so that you can do any exercise you want, and and it's controllable. I mean, that's the good news about asthma is that with the current uh, treatments options we have, there it is controllable, and it's rare that a child can't exercise because of their asthma.
1: Tyra let's talk about obesity that seems to be a common word that comes into so many of our shows uh, the negatives of obesity I would think that a child who has extra weight might have more severe episodes of asthma but the reverse is true too if 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 a child's sick a lot or they have recurrent episodes maybe they don't exercise as much it's a chicken and egg thing I would think
0: yeah for sure um you know there's uh, asthma is characterized by obstruction of the airway and um Many times children who are deconditioned seem to have trouble breathing, but they don't really have obstruction. They're more restrictive from the obesity, but there is a higher association of obesity and asthma. And as you said, uh, it's hard to say what's causing what. There's not a causal relationship, meaning obesity doesn't cause asthma and asthma doesn't cause obesity, but there Mm -hmm. is an association between the two. It has
1: to be hard. So I know that there are other stressors uh, involved with asthma because I know myself when I became an intern and I was watching really sick people having trouble breathing, I used to think, oh my gosh, whatever I get someday, shortness of breath is not at the top of my list. I think that has to be so frightening for anyone, but especially a little child. I mean, they have to be afraid that they're going to die sometimes or tell us about that. What kind of other issues are yeah. involved with asthma that um, yeah. listeners might not be aware of. Mm-hmm.
0: Sure. Um, yeah, so I, I agree that this whole air hunger and not being able to breathe can be traumatic. Um, and sometimes children learn to negotiate it um, if they've experienced it a lot, but sometimes children get really anxious and, and are worried about dying. Um, but the other things that come up just in having asthma is the whole peer uh, relationship. Meaning mm-hmm. if you are different from other peers, then you, you don't want folks to know. So, for example, um, in the school, if you need your albuterol and you don't want folks to know that you have asthma, you go in the bathroom to do that. Um, so really trying to get um, children and, and other, um, even adults with asthma, to know that, um, that the best thing they can do is take care of themselves and to really... Uh, help educate folks around them. One of the things we do is we educate the children in the school about asthma. I mean, Philly, for better or for worse, uh, most of the school children know somebody with asthma. So it's not that different. But still, nobody wants to have to use an inhaler in front of everyone else. So that sure. becomes stigmatic. And so that's something we, we worry about and we think about a lot, about their symptoms at night, preventing them from sleep, and if they're not being treated correctly um, especially in school, then you know they it can impact their school performance.
1: Oh, sure. And I guess there are different patterns of symptoms. Some have intermittent attacks. Other have other students have chronic symptoms with an occasional worsening. I never mm-hmm. heard of morning dipping before. That you can be worse in the morning and better as the day progresses. That's fascinating to me. Yes,
0: yeah, because your secretions pull at night because you're sleeping. You know, you're supine. Well, most people are. And so in the morning, you're really trying to clear all of those secretions from your airway.
1: Now, we've made great progress with asthma, and I want everybody to hear about CAP, Community Asthma Prevention Program, because we're becoming more aware and more um, active in approaching disparities in healthcare. Tell us, if you would, how you got started with your fantastic asthma prevention program and the five different segments to it.
0: Sure. Um, So in 1997, as a primary care physician, I noticed that my children, my patients were going to the hospital a lot, even though I was providing guideline-based care. So I started to ask the question, what are we missing? Where are the gaps? And so we started doing community classes in the Y in uh, uh, West Philly and and started to hear from the parents what their challenges were. One of the big challenges they talked about was removing and mitigating uh, asthma triggers in their home and feeling like they didn't have, not only didn't have the skill set, but didn't have the supplies and many times couldn't afford the, the supplies that we thought would be helpful. So we began looking at that and we employed community health workers who are uh, women for the most part who live in the community. Um, and we hire and train to conduct classes in the home and to teach parents how to reduce triggers in their child's bedroom specifically, but the rest is the house as well. The other thing that we heard was about schools and feeling like when the kids went to school, people weren't didn't know how to take care or if they knew how to take care the communication wasn't good. So we began working uh, in the, with school nurses, and I mean, you know, God bless school nurses. They're by themselves caring for the health of all the children in the schools. So we certainly wanted to support them, and we um, have evolved to now having community health workers in the schools who help uh, the school nurse with the children with the asthma and making sure they get their daily medication, uh, helping to make sure they have their devices and their forms at school so they can take medication when they need it. Um, and then the, the other thing we do is we work with primary care providers in terms of educating them uh, about the uh, current asthma guidelines and how to imp- implement them into their practice. And then uh, a couple years ago, um, you know, after seeing the homes for many years and seeing the little bit that we did was helpful, but they're still just deteriorating and uh, conditions in the home, substandard housing that we see in a lot of segregated areas in Philadelphia. And so we started something called Cap Plus. And so we do home repairs. We partner with a home repair agency. Right now we're partnering with Rebuilding Together Philadelphia, uh, and they actually do the repairs. But where we come in is that we, um, our community health worker uh, helps to identify where those repairs are needed in in regards to the asthma triggers. So what repairs um, are related to asthma triggers, we identified that. Uh, we then we work with the home repair agency. Like I said, cu- currently with Rebuilding Together Philadelphia, and we um, and they identify the contractors and they um, implement the, the the repairs in the homes. And we've been really uh, excited to do this with homeowners. Um, so far, we we're at number ninety-seven, uh, and oh we goodness. hope to do even more homes in the future as we partner with uh, others.
1: I, I, I already said you're the, you're the angel of asthma prevention. I don't want to say you're the angel of asthma, but it was interesting when I'm reading it. So in 1997, you said, oh my goodness, one in four children in West Philly live with asthma, and you want fewer visits to the emergency room, fewer hospitalizations. You want these kids to enjoy their childhood, go to school, and progress as their peers. So you start with the communication... Uh, Sorry, educating the community, even children ages five and up are invited. Then you have the home visits, which are so brilliant and makes people feel good. It gives people... Joy to go and, and teach families. Then you're going to fix the repairs, and you're working with the city of Philadelphia and great um, home repair small businesses, which gives them jobs. And then I think it's brilliant that you address primary care physicians. God bless those. The primary care docs have to do everything <laughs> and right. do it well. And when you give them um, little extra, um, just metrics to follow it makes their lives so much easier and helps the patients but then the prevention school programs it's it's just fantastic let's take a little break and we'll be back in our wrap-up with dr tyra bryant stevens from chop
0: thanks for listening to your
1: radio doctor with dr marianne ritchie presented in part by recovery centers of america when needed call rca 1-888-RECOVERY in our final segment of Your Radio Doctor, Dr. Tyra Bryan-Stevens, we've learned so much about asthma. What is your parting message for our listeners and families whose children suffer from asthma?
0: Sure. The good news is that you can control asthma, that the treatments we have um, are, do work, and that um, there are things that you can do in your home even without home repairs that make your children's lives better. Um, And so I I just want people to leave feeling that there's always hope and there's always a way to make sure your children can breathe easier.
1: And if you were to send people to a website to read more of the the good things you told us today, what would you suggest?
0: So our um, our website is www.chop.edu slash I guess forward slash cap C-A-P-P. Um, And then I always recommend the Allergy and Asthma Network. Um, They definitely have a lot of information for families um, about all kinds of allergies, but especially asthma. Um, I think that's a great um, place to look. And also the American Lung Association website.
1: So American Lung Association Asthma and Allergy Network. And of allergy course, CHOP, and Asthma Network. Allergy and Asthma, sorry. And CHOP.edu okay. is so essential, beautiful, and easy to navigate. And we'd like to close, too, by talking a little bit more about CAP, Community Asthma Prevention Program. How would people contact you for that?
0: Sure. You can always call our office. It's 215-590-5261. You can also reach us by email, capp1 at CHOP.edu. Um, And you'll find, um, like I said, on our website, you'll find some more information, www.chop.edu forward slash C-A-P-P. It's just so um, beautiful what you've done.
1: And I commend you for it because a lot of people go to work every day and go home and, and kind of stop there. But you have created this comprehensive program that really covers all the bases, and that's what children need. And, and parents, um, you know, sometimes we neglect ourselves, but when it's your child, it just rips your heart out, especially when they're short of breath. So to think that you've covered the community and...
0: I also wanted to say that um, I have an awesome team, and I lead the team, but I definitely don't do the work, uh, the day-to-day work. They're out there in the streets, and just the, our community health workers are awesome people who I admire a lot.
1: Thanks, Tyra. Thanks so much for being with us today. CHOP.edu will get you to the CAP program, C-A-P-P, and if you want to email Dr. Tyra Bryant-Stevens a question, you can send your email to CAP, C-A-P-P-1, at CHOP.edu. Thank you, thanks for your great work, and thank you for joining
0: us. Thank you for having me. It's been my pleasure.
1: And now for Your Real Champion, I call this segment, Knowledge is Power. We see children as our future, and how the world will look tomorrow depends on what we teach them today. Even Walt Disney knew that our greatest natural resource is the minds of our children. John McConnell, a very successful businessman, knows the value of a good education. He enjoyed college at Georgetown, earned his business degree from Wharton, But the seed to his understanding of the world was first planted in high school at St. Joe's Prep. There he studied, cheered at pep rallies, went to proms with boys from city and suburbs from all walks of life, four years with his prep brothers, where he learned and grew to become a man for others. John spent his career as a consultant, helping other businesses become more productive based on team building and inclusion. He retired early and began an entirely new career. John had a vision stemming from his high school days. Why don't we offer the same chance to succeed to kids who don't have a St. Joe Prep opportunity? Philadelphia fails to educate about 50% of its youth, and with no workforce, we see a bump in crime. This is a true failure to tap our most important resource, human capital. John is the founder and president of Cristo Ray High School in Philadelphia which opened in 2012. This is a private independent Catholic high school in Philadelphia for students of all faiths from low-income families with an innovative work-study model. Each student works one day a week at a local business and earns real wages that go directly to the school and cover the student's tuition. The school has over 100 job partners in the greater Philadelphia area. With over 120 students per class, there's enough to develop a competitive sports program. And of course, there are lessons learned in team play, but John also knows the value of other students' gain when cheering for the school's team. Caring for the whole person includes attention to mental and physical health, so Cristo Ray now has a school-based health clinic that streamlines access to medical services and reduces time away from school for students who need medical attention. Of the 720 graduates, 100% have been accepted into four-year college and 82% are persisting in college. Cristo Rey, it's Spanish for Christ the King. The pervasive culture is based on love, the gospel message of Jesus. Love doesn't simply mean liking another person. It's defined by sacrifice and giving in the interest of others. Students are taught to respect people of all faiths. Christo Wright offers a home-like environment, and for many, it provides a safe place with good role models and mentors with whom they can share their problems. Students come as shy, 14-year-old boys and girls. As seniors, they're bright, friendly, and more confident young adults. After four years, they know they're good, they know they're smart, and they're sure they'll make a difference. We salute you, John McConnell, your real champion. Thank you for tuning in this week and every week. You can hear this show again or any of our shows on YourRadioDoctor.net. We would love to hear from you. Send us a story of your real champion from your family, your office, your community. And a super happy Father's Day to all our dads out there. Make sure you take the time to thank your daddy for all the hard work he puts into supporting the family and being there to listen when you need him. I know my cute little husband is the best dad on the planet, and we congratulate our son and son-in-law for the beautiful job they do each day with our grandchildren. Speaking of men's health, tune in next week. Great show with Dr. Len Gamella, professor and chair of Department of Urology at Jefferson, who will share very important information about your prostate. Now, especially the dads, stay tuned for the sounds of Sinatra as you spend your leisurely Father's Day swinging in your hammock under the trees. This is your radio doctor, Marianne Ritchie, asking you to always remember that your health is your wealth.
0: Thanks for listening to your radio doctor, Doctor Marianne Ritchie, a Jacob Media production.